Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. God's idea of perfection is not that you live up to it, but that he provides it for you and you live within it. Did you, did you catch that? God's idea of perfection, he knows you cannot be perfect, so he created a perfect place so that you could rest in. And that's Christ. Amen? You know, I pray that if you get anything out of this message, because I'm going to go around, I might even have a little physics lesson today. Anybody interested in physics? Sounds real smart when you talk about physics. but I'll give you a little thing to remember how to be, just trust God. And it's easier than you realize. But God's not, God knows you cannot live up to the perfect standard that is required. So he created that perfect place in Christ and you rest in that. Amen? Man, praise God. And we're a church that believes just keep it about Jesus. Right? I mean, you know, we could preach about a lot of different things and make you feel really guilty when you leave church and really beat you up. But we just don't think that that's what church is about. Church is about you coming in and being refreshed. You coming in and being encouraged. Now, you might be challenged. There might be some things that you face that you have to deal with, right? Like you might hear something that God convicts you in your heart. He doesn't convict you to make you feel guilty and condemned. He convicts you and says, you know what? You're better than that because I have made you righteous in the blood of Christ. I have given you my perfection. You can live above that thing. So if you feel that sense of heaviness, just realize, you know what? I'm just going to let that go. Because this transformational journey that we're on has been provided for us in Christ. And the only thing that's left for me to do is let him love me into wholeness. That's what we exist for, you know. There's only one gospel, the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, amen. The fact that righteousness is by faith, not by your works. And people don't know that. You know, you might be here today and you've been in church your whole life or you've been in and out of church or maybe you only go Christmas and Easter, that's fine. We're not mad at you. But I bet that you might, if you don't go to church all that often, it's probably because you get sick of told and being told what you're supposed to do. And so much junk gets built up in our minds about what Christianity is. And we like to see this place as a detox center. Like you come in and you detox from religion. And you just strip away one thing after another. You know, just one thing after another. I was talking to someone yesterday. We were talking about, spiritual activity in our lives and you filter everything now on this side of the cross has to be filtered through the finished work of Christ. Every element of Christianity that you get exposed to, every requirement, everything that happens, everything that the organized church might try to impose on you in your life must be filtered through the finished work of Christ. And if you don't know what that means, hang out for a little while. What it means is you can't do it he did it for you. Rest in him. However, the caveat is keep that relationship open with him because he will continue to influence you. Amen? And that's where you are. If you're a believer, if you've said yes to Christ, and if you have not, we'll give you an opportunity. But if you've said yes to Christ, that's where you are. You sit in the place of perfection in Christ, in spirit, trying to yield to him, to complete the rest of your being, your soul and your behavior, and you just basically want to live under his influence. So that's what I want to talk about today. 
is how does the Spirit of God work in your life? You know, because people that usually talk about the spiritual side of Christianity, it might get a little weird. You ever met any weird Christians? And it's like the ones that talk about that spirit stuff. Oh, watch out for them. I don't know. The extreme folks. But it's way more practical than you realize. In fact, you know, we hear things that we have to dismantle out of our mindset that confuse how God works in our lives. You ever heard God works in mysterious ways? Is there, you got a chapter and verse for that? No. Yeah. What, what about God won't put more on you than you can bear? You ever heard that? Raise your hand if you've heard that. God won't put more on you than you can bear. I won't ask you if you believe that. But did you know that that's not what Scripture says? See, because we're taught that God is testing, and he's, and he's, got, he's waiting for you. And, and life is like a rat maze, and he's watching you, and he's watching every little turn, and he's moving the cheese every now and then, you know, to keep you honest or keep you going for it. And it's like every now and then he's going to put something on you, and he's going to just enough pressure, and you might break, and then he's going to, then he's going to bring it off on you. You ever, is that, you ever been taught that's how God is? That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. That is not God. That scripture that's misquoted and perverted that says God will not put more on you than you can bear, what it actually says is that when the temptation comes, when trials come, he'll make a way out. There's some confusing language in there. It says, will with the temptation make a way of escape. But you have to couple that over in James 1.13, and it says, when temptation comes, don't say that it's from God. That's like sermon number two. If you haven't been here, I'll preach about 12 sermons per message, and then we get there. (laughs) But I just want you to realize, you know, following God, number one, it's easier than you realize once you understand who he really is. Once you really understand who Christ is, then you can actually live under his influence and live under his power and expect to actually live out what is expected. I mean, absolutely he expects transformation to happen in your life. That sin stuff, you should be able to turn away from it. Those temptations that so easily seem to trip us up over and over and over, we should get to a place where we say, you know what, I'm not interested in that anymore. That's killing me. That makes me, I don't like the way that that makes me feel when I live that way. But the only way to conquer it is to realize that that's not you and that God is influencing you and his power in you is stronger than that thing that you're giving into. And the fact that you keep giving into it tells me you don't know who you are. That's what we do over and over and over here every week. Week in, week out is build you up in who you are. Because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. We want you to know that you're a sheep. You know, the more you know that you're a sheep, the more you're going to know his voice. You still messing around, struggling. Don't, please don't fall into the religious lie that God is looking for a reason to distance himself from you. He's not. He's looking for a reason to influence you more. And what we're going to today is just to look at that his power is actually in his love. What about this verse here in uh, the Corinthians verse here? You ever heard this one? Eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man. The things, don't go to the next one just yet. Nor entered into the uh, heart of man the things that God has prepared for him, for those who love you. Like, sometimes you hear that scripture, 
And people will quote this scripture and they say, well, we just don't know. Our eyes haven't seen and our ears haven't heard. Say, next verse, please. I like to tell people, well, keep reading. But God has revealed them. You ever read, did you know that one was in there? (laughs) But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. It's not a secret. God's not keeping secrets from you. Now, you might not be able or ready to hear some of the things that he's inviting you into or might need you to change or tweak in your life, but he's already revealed the capacity for you to transform in Christ. See, God's not a mysterious ogre in the sky holding a little bit of anger towards you that you got to figure out how to keep him happy. He's a father. He's a loving father. Sometimes on our YouTube videos, I know if people have kids or not when they're commenting. And often I will ask someone when they start asking these questions about God's expectations or why God created mankind. And my my first question is, do you have kids? Because when you have kids, you realize you'll do anything for them. I don't care how crazy they are. (laughs) Won't you? I mean, you're sitting there looking at them thinking, you are nuts. What is wrong with you? But this passion is still in you. It doesn't change how you feel about them, right? It's, 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 it's kind of, I think God made us broken or something, you know? I mean, it's like we have this love for this creature that keeps hurting us over and over and over, our children. I'm kidding. I'm not saying my kids aren't in here so I can say it that way. But you know what I mean, right? You know what I mean? Those, those beings in your home that do nothing but take, 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 take. <laughs> I love kids. I just, this is sounding bad, right? Not all, kids are bad. Not all kids, no. But I'm trying to make you repent. And repent just means to change the way that you think. You know, that, that's kind of what, that's kind of this transformational journey that a Christian should be on. It's just the constant cycle of changing how you think. Changing how you think to line up with who God really is and what he's really done in Christ. And he's, You can trust him. He's dependable. He's not going to show up sometimes and then not show up another time. Does that make sense? He's always going to be who he is. You know, I'm going to give you a couple of homework assignments, whether this is your church or not, or you're visiting or whatever, but I challenge you, go online, find a list of the names of God, and go through them and meditate on each one of them and personalize each one of them. See, because provision... Have you ever needed provision in your life and then you believed God for it and then it felt like it didn't happen? Is that because he didn't show up or so there was some kind of disconnect on your end? I mean, if he is a provider, he will always provide. If he is a healer, his desire is always heal. If he's a good, loving father, he's always going to be there to love you into this transformational journey. And I I was thinking about this, and, you know, I I have conversations, all different kinds of conversations, and I love jumping online and watching debates between uh, not just atheists, but scientific-minded people and Christians. And sometimes, man, the Christians are like, God, don't you, you realize how dumb that sounds? Because faith, unfortunately, for a lot of people is... I don't understand, 
but I'm choosing to believe. And it's like, that's fine. That's fine. But what faith really is, is a confident persuasion in who God is. Faith is not, I don't see the proof, but I'm choosing to believe it. I mean, that's kind of an aspect of what faith is. But true faith is a confidence within you that can't be shaken by anything. Well, how do I get that? Nobody can teach you how to get that. That's the lie that church says is that they can teach you how to build faith. They can't. Your faith builds. In other words, your confidence in who God is builds. That's what faith means, trust. Your confidence builds in who God is when you know who God is. And that's why we take the time in worship to really make it a, an open environment, that worshipful environment. You know, some people are like, let's get out of here, I'm hungry. You know, some people do that. <laughs> that was an amen. I don't think I've ever seen Manny turn red like that. <laughs> Nobody can give you faith. Only you opening up your heart for a relationship with God. Now, I mean, that's probably one of the most cliche Christian things you can say, but I'm telling you, there's nothing more spiritual that you can do than take time and contemplate the character of God. And whatever it takes for you to have in your mind and in your life where it inspires that awe, then meditate on that. If it's the vastness of the galaxies and 100 billion galaxies with 100 billion stars in each galaxy and we're all ripping through space as fast as they can go, if it's that, you know, if it's, if it's looking at your children, if it's just becoming aware of your breath and understanding, my goodness, that, you know, right now in this moment, there's, I'm a factory there is all kinds of chemical reactions and all these things going on inside of me. In this moment, right now, God designed your body to tend toward life. There's stuff dying all the time within you and regenerating and building again. Think about things like that. Whatever it is that, that kind of creates that sense of awe for you, make room for that and sit within that and meditate within that. But that's your responsibility. No one can give you that. Nobody can give you that. Not one person can give you that. A lot of people use the excuse to not believe, to sit back and, well, God, show me. Well, you know what? I mean, well, how does that work in marriage? <laughs> Tell me. Well, I'll do this if she does this. You might as well go ahead and call the divorce attorney because it ain't going to happen. You know what I mean? I'm telling you, I've sat in counseling so many times and relationship issues, usually one is withholding from the other. Well, I can't do this because if I do that, then it's like, I'm, well, somebody's got to go first. Love goes first. That's God. God went first. God gave us Christ. What are you going to do? Are you going to respond? Or are you going to sit back and harden your heart and wait? He's not going to usurp your authority over your own mind and your own heart, whether you're a believer or not. That's in, the, that's in every area. If you have a particular sin that you're still struggling with and you're waiting for God to give you some faith so that you'll stop struggling with that sin, it ain't going to happen. You have intimacy with him. Resting in his love for you, that's how you conquer anything. You ever struggle with doubt? 
fear, worry. Those are the areas where we don't trust that God is who he says that he is. Are you challenged yet? I want you to be because your faith is your responsibility. But what you find is he is the most generous being that you could possibly encounter. You give him just the slightest opening. And I'm telling you, whatever, however it comes for you, whether it be... See, this is the challenging part about what we try to do for others and even for ourselves as Christians, and that is to get people to engage with the spirit of the living God. You cannot teach that. You can only set the table, paint the picture, set the temperature at the right room, turn the lights down, have people that are amazing like our team worship, and it just, those goosebumps rise up. But if people don't engage, what can you do? It's true. But the most effective thing that we have to reach people is love. It's the power of God. It is the absolute power of God that emanates from his very presence that is trying to pierce the darkest heart. And even our own minds and conscience continually is his love emanating toward us. You know, I, I was, the, I mentioned the, the videos, but uh, you ever heard of Neil deGrasse Tyson? He's an astrophysicist. And uh, he's got a show called Star Talk. And really interesting stuff that, he, that uh, he has on there. I recommend it. Go check it out. You learn a lot. Um, you gain an appreciation for the vastness of creation. And, you know, they come to the conclusion, and I'll say they, and they is not an enemy. It's just they meaning the scientific-minded that only believes what it can see or prove. But what's interesting is that there was, I was watching this one, and this interviewer was asking him, uh, they got to the conversation about gravity, she said, what is gravity? And it was really interesting. He goes, we don't know. Next question. <laughs> and, and so then he caught himself, and he's like, wait a minute. I'm a scientist. I have to give an answer. It seemed like, you know, I'm judging, but I don't know. It seemed like that's what he thought. Because what he did then was he then got poetic. An astrophysicist is going to explain gravity with poetry. And he said, here's what Einstein says, that um, to understand gravity and matter, you understand space and time and all this stuff, and it's like, okay, yeah, okay, we'll get there. But they, so he says, matter tells space and time how to curve, and space and time tells, tells matter how to behave. What in the world does that mean? <laughs> that is not a scientific statement, by the way. There might be some scientific nuance in there in that space and time curves and gravity has something to do with that, but how? We don't know. However, they base so much of science on gravity. So there's four main forces in uh, the uh, standard model of physics. They're saying now that those four forces and all the... the uh, protons and neutrons and bosons and all this stuff that makes up all that stuff, you know, when I get confused trying to remember what does what, but all of that makes up matter and all that determines how everything works when they get down to the quantum level, which now they're able to get deeper and deeper and smaller and smaller and observe smaller and smaller, they're finding that the standard model 
which they base pretty much all of physics on, breaks down at the quantum level. It doesn't make sense. They're realizing there are things going on that they can't see. And it, so, of course, their mindset is, well, we'll just discover it one day. And they might, but a lot of what they base, their beliefs, and it's belief, and there is credible science behind it, they don't know what it is. You know, the reason, one of the biggest ways that they know that there's gravity is they observe stars off in the distance. So you have two stars that are, because what, here's what gravity is. It's the force that is attracting anything that has matter and energy toward one another. Okay, well, but what is it? They don't know. So I'm, I've got a point here. If you, look, if, it, if you get lost in the physics, don't worry about it. I'm going to make a point, and it's going to be cool. I hope. I don't know. <laughs> if anything, you're like, the dude talked about gravity on Easter. I don't know. <laughs> so the four forces are gravity, weak and strong nuclear forces, which are very condensed inside of nucleuses, and then electromagnetic. That's a force. Within the electromagnetic force is things like radio waves and light. So the light spectrum which they know exists because they can observe photons, exists in the electromagnetic spectrum. In gravity, they don't know what makes it work. They don't know what, what it is. They think that it's made up of a thing called gravitons, but guess how many gravitons they've observed? Zero. Well, we just haven't discovered it yet. Okay, yeah, but you're basing something on something that you have not observed and it actually acts differently than you think that it should on the smaller, the smaller that you get. Astrophysicists now are realizing we need something else to explain how all of this works because our model is breaking down. And so they're doing things like trying to find the Higgs boson. Have you heard of the Large Hadron Collider over there in Switzerland? They're trying to smash atoms together to make more matter to try to find out what's making all this stuff work. Here's my point. Scientists that have a very sequenced process of observation and, and a way to come to their conclusions, a lot of what they believe, they take on faith. They don't know why it works. It's observable. So with stars, and this is interesting to me, two stars off in the distance, whether they be binary stars rotating around each other or the speed that they're going through time-space, they can observe gr the gravitational pull between the stars off in the distance. And here's the interesting thing. There's more gravity than those stars should be putting off. You know what they say? They say, well, we don't know what that is. Let's just call it dark matter. 95% of what's out there, they have no clue what it is. However, they know that it makes everything else work. This is starting to not sound very scientific, isn't it? I mean, it's like, now I get how they would say, well, we just haven't discovered it yet. That's fine. But what if it's like, you know, angels going, <laughs> how are you going to figure that out? What if it's the spirit of the living God and the word that he spoke in creation says that he upholds all things by the word of his power. That word, word there is the word rhema that means the commandment. It's like he spoke intelligence into matter and it still responds to his original command. What if they discover that? 
See, we are scientific-minded because even with God, we only believe what we can see. Meaning, Jesus, I need this bill paid. This bill didn't get paid. You're not a provider because I didn't see it get paid. Does that change who he is? We're scientists because we only believe about God what we see happen. But you won't see it happen until you believe it. But science is in the same position. We actually have more to go on because we have God who says, I am the unseen hand in your life. Scientists say, well, gravity works. We have no clue what it is, but let's just say that it's gravitons. Well, what if it's not? I don't know. We'll make something else up the next time we go. You have a God. You have a loving Father that just like whatever it is that's making gravity work, now I'm not saying that, you know, that, that the unseen elements that they haven't discovered yet is God per se. It is in some form. It has to be because it's his intelligence that made it all work together. But when you start questioning if God's going to be God for you, just remember gravity. I'm telling you, you'll remember this. As silly as it might be, but that's what we do, this foolishness thing called preaching, right? You'll remember when you're praying and you're thinking, God, you haven't shown up for me. Ask yourself, am I floating off the planet? Because <laughs> something's holding me to this planet. I can see it working. They have no clue what it is. But that's how God is. You can't see it. You can't see him. You see the effects of him when you connect with it, just like you see the effects of all of that stuff that you can't see that gets observed in science. You see, they know that it exists because they see the effects of it. I pray that you see the effects of the character and the nature of God in your life. I pray that there's not one time that you depend on God and you don't see the fruition of what it is that you need from him. But when you don't see it, again, remember, you're not floating off the planet. You are grounded because gravity works. God is consistent. See, our problem is not we have a fickle God. Our problem is, do I trust that God is who he says that he is? When my life is rocky, when I'm depressed, when I feel broken, when I found myself in this cycle again, when life isn't planning out, working out like I think that it's supposed to, again, do you accuse God or do you take responsibility and say, you know what, God is, God is who he is. He is consistent. He is a deliverer. He is trustworthy. He has my best interest in heart. He has only good plans for me. He has set me free in Christ. He has delivered me from the power of darkness and translated me into the kingdom of his dear son. All of his promises are yes and amen. God has given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Where do you go, right? Do you say, well, he just must not do that anymore? Or do you take responsibility and say, you know what? God doesn't change. 
My human mind not, might not get it. My experiences might not dictate or reflect who God is trying to be in my life, but I will not change my mind away from believing that God is who he says that he is. Double-mindedness is the killer, you know? And, and whether we realize it or not, we're scientific with our faith because we put God on trial and we test him. And that's what it says that the children of Israel did. They wandered around in the desert for 40 years. And it says that they tested him. They, in other words, God said, first off, it should have only been about a three-week journey from one side to the other. And we don't really know all the details, and it's easy to look at all those people back then, you know, judge them. We probably would have done the same thing. We've probably been there 50 years. <laughs> but it says that they could not enter the promised land. Now, that's representative for us of the blessing and the life that God has for us in Christ. It says that they could not enter into that promised land because they didn't mix faith in their heart with the promise. We've been so beat up with Christianity that we don't even know that God has made us promises. Well, you're starting to sound like, you know, you're one of those prosperity, you just want everything to be easy. and No, Jesus said easy and light. You walk with me, you come to me, take a rest with me. I'll show you how to take a real rest, he says. Walking with me is easy and light. Does that mean everything's going to be perfect? No. You might go through difficulties. You might go through trials and tribulations. God might call you to a part of the country or the world where you go and you lose your life following God. I mean, that kind of stuff can happen, but it's not something that he needs you to go through to instill something within you that he's given you in Christ. See, everything that God is happens and comes into your life by grace through faith, not by suffering through trial, endurance through temptation, none of that kind of stuff. Nothing that you can do in your, physical, in your physical body can produce a spiritual result. There's nothing that in your body, in your flesh, in your intellect that you can go through that causes you to get more of God. All of the things that we desire to have in our life that, that are legal within Christianity, that are legal within Scripture... And not just some selfish desire to have a Bugatti and a 20,000 square foot mansion or something like that, though. You know, although Bugatti would be kind of cool. You know what I mean? This is not about getting things from God so that you're fat and happy. But look at how he created this place. A perfect garden that he set two people naked in. And he said, live your dream. I mean, a planet for two people. That's the, that's the God we serve. That's our Father. Here's what I want for you. I want you to enjoy creation. And so we've messed it up. And then, because we messed it up, we think we have to fix it, but we can't fix it. Christ fixed us so that we can live within him. But what I want you to leave with today is just remembering, do you really know God? I mean, think about it. How well do you know God? Like if he were to walk in right now, you'd say, we're tight. You know what I mean? 
Like, we might know about him. You know the story of Job? Man, Job is like one of the most misunderstood books in the Bible. Job did not know God. He said things about God that were not true. God showed up and corrected him. And when he said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, and all of those things that Job and his buddies accused God of, Job repented. He said, I was wrong. It's true that Job said that, but it is not true that that's who God is. That's a whole other teaching. But the point is, later on, Job said, I've heard about you, but now I know you. I want you to have the same experience. I want you to engage God in such a way where it goes beyond, I've heard about you, to I know you. And I'm telling you, there's a way to get to know him, and that is let him love you. You ever have a hard time receiving something that somebody does for you that's just a very kind, extravagant act of kindness toward you, and you want to pay them back for it? Anybody else? We feel that way with God. We think we owe him. You don't owe him anything. He's given you everything that he has. The only thing that we owe him is to let him love us because his love for us strengthens and empowers us. You know, I want to give you some scripture to end on. Let's go to the Ephesians 3. And this is something that we, this is a, a, a staple for where we are in this church and in where Christianity is, how we express it here. To me, this is a perfect description of the function of what grace is. Grace is that active element, that active agent coming from the very spirit of God. So like you think about the four forces, you think of gravity, electromagnetic energy, the, nu- the weak and the strong nuclear forces that are holding nuclear cells together or causing reactions inside of there. I think that there are forces that come from God just like gravity or weak or strong nuclear force. I think God's forces are love, grace. God's love for you is not just a sentiment in his mind. It says in Hebrews 1 that, there is, that Christ emanates from God. You know, it's almost like Christ is the warmth coming off of the sun that you feel on your hand. It interacts with you. These are not just ideas. God's love for you is not just some nebulous concept that you have to try to understand. No, Christ is emanating from the Spirit of God. And just like those forces are active in holding this physical world together, His forces are making us whole and bringing His power to deliver into us. Let's watch what this says here. This is Paul praying, and you can take this as a prayer for yourself, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. So I'm a visual person, right? I like to see kind of the pictures here. I can see God sitting wherever He's sitting, and he has his bag of glorious riches. I mean, what would that look like? But let's call those riches wholeness, deliverance, restoration, provision, right? The things of salvation. God has this bag of glorious riches so that out of his glorious riches, strengthen you with his spirit in your inner man, right? Now, this is just a visual. If you don't connect with this, that's fine. But his spirit, his glorious riches in your inner man should do something. Next verse. 
that Christ may dwell in your heart. So that's the goal, right? God is wanting to put things within you. Now, he's already placed everything within you. His spirit is in you. He's joined you to his kingdom. But what he wants to have happen is breathe on that, let's say. He wants to, in, in your inner man, the deepest part of what and who you are, he wants Christ to dwell in there. Well, I thought Christ was already in my heart. Well, I hope so. But he's talking to believers here. So there's a difference between you being united with Christ in spirit and Christ dwelling in your heart. Your heart is where you believe. Your heart is where you get your sense of identity from. You want God influencing that area. You want Jesus dwelling in that place where you make the decisions about who you think that you are. That's what he's trying to do is influence your heart. That you being rooted and grounded in love. It's his love for you that makes all of this work. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height of this love to know. Now, this word know is not just gain intellectual knowledge. It's an experiential, it's an experiential word. It's the Greek word nosko, and it means to have an experience with. Now, there is some form, there are some forms of Christianity that like to have mystical experiences, and that's fine, but it's got to be based in the God. It's got to be based in God's love for you. If you're, if you're wanting to have one some type of encounter, think about how much God loves you. That's why we focus on the cross and the resurrection so much here, because to me, it, it just sparks something inside of me. It invokes a response of love toward him because of the love that he's shown me. But watch this. To know, to have an experiential encounter with the love of... So think about that. God's love is like the force of gravity holding you on this planet. It's something real and tangible. But are you going to engage with it? See, spirit is a choice, which passes knowledge. You're not going to get it with your physical mind. You got to get it with your heart. Man, I wish I could teach you how to think with your heart. I, I, I hadn't figured that out yet. All I can do is paint the picture. That's all any preacher can do is paint the picture of God's love for you and pray that you catch it. Pray that you'll do what it takes to open your heart to let him transform you. His love towards you does this. What his love does is it fills you with the fullness of God. In other words, brings you to a place of wholeness out of his glorious riches by his spirit strengthening your inner man so that Christ would dwell in you, so that you would know his love, rooted and grounded in his love for you, that you would become whole. Gravity's trying to hold you onto this planet. The love of God is trying to set you free from darkness, from pain, from worry, from fear, from struggle, from debt, all of that stuff. But can you let yourself be influenced by God's Spirit deep within your inner man. One of the ways that you do that is you just get to know who God is. Again, I go back to the, your homework. Go find a list of the names of God and meditate on them and ask yourself, do I believe that this is who God really is? So you only have the right to believe about God who he says he is. You cannot make things up about God based on somebody else's circumstances. Are you with me? You cannot take things away from the nature and the character of God based on your own circumstances. Well, I, this didn't happen for me, therefore God must not, whatever. No, that's death. 
That's trying to rationalize, and you're not going to get there. Learn to open your heart. Learn to engage with him because he's just waiting to show you his love. And what his love does is it brings wholeness. Do you need some wholeness in some areas of your life? You're not going to get it right when you figure out how to do better or be a better Christian. That stuff comes when you let God love you. Can you rest in his love for you? And do you actually expect it to do something within you? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us first and foremost. We, we, we change our minds. We repent. We shift whatever it is that we think about you that does not line up with who you really are. And we set our attention on who you have revealed yourself to be. And even in this moment, we just want, we want that abiding picture. We want that abiding sense of awareness that you are actively seeking to strengthen us within our inner man. And however we do that, God, teach us how to do that. It's your spirit that teaches us how to do that. Whether it be through a picture or through wisdom or through some kind of understanding, whatever it is, God, we just open ourselves to you to be strengthened in our inner man. Knowing that you love us and knowing that your love for us brings us to a place of wholeness where nothing in this world can take away what we have with you. Where nothing in this world shakes our confidence in who you are. That's all we're doing is we're looking at you, we're looking at Jesus, and we're deciding how confident we are about who you say you are. I look at you, Jesus, and I see my Savior. I see my righteousness. I see my peace. I see all of these things that you have given me because you were that perfect man that I couldn't be. I thank you. I thank you for being obedient to the death of the cross. I thank you for trusting God in the grave and conquering death. I don't have to taste death. I don't have to know what it's like to be separated from God because of what you've done for me. Jesus, I want to honor you. I want to reflect your righteousness and your holiness. I want to live in this place of yielded influence in my heart, coming to that ever sense of wholeness within you and reflecting your glory. And just, just ask yourself this question. Am I committed to a relationship with God? And will I only believe things about him that he has revealed about himself and his word. Do you stand on that? Do you agree with that? You know, you might be here today and you're not sure that you have this relationship. You're not sure that you're born again. If you'd like, and, or, or you've never made that decision. You've never made the decision to receive Christ. So we just want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and, and you're not sure or it's the first time, you'd like to say yes to Jesus. You, you're agreeing What you did was for me. I don't understand it all. I don't really get it all. But I'm willing to believe that what you did was for me. And maybe you even just want to say it again. But either you're not sure or you're doing it for the first time. Just lift up your hand. Just hold it up where I can see you.